Hey, everyone. Welcome to another episode of DevOps Unbound. Uh, DevOps Unbound is sponsored by Tricentis, so many thanks to them. But uh, it's our show here at Media Ops, and we try to explore, you know, just some of the areas around DevOps and not just Dev and Ops, but DevOps as a, a framework for the way things are being done, the way application and software is being made and deployed today, uh, the way it's being hosted, the way it's being operated and maintained and observed and so many other aspects of of how we're doing technology uh it airs every other week and this episode is episode number three of devops unbound hope you've enjoyed the first two with that let me introduce you to our panel today first of all well it may not be right or left on your screen because it makes no sense to tell you how it is on my screen but let me first start off with my friend tracy miranda tracy is the executive director of the continuous delivery foundation which is uh, a linux foundation uh foundation and a sister organization to cloud native computing foundation got that all out of the way tracy welcome Hi, everybody. Thanks for having me, Alan. My pleasure to have you on, Tracy. Uh, joining Tracy and I today, uh, I have Kevin Dunn, who has been on our TechStrong TVs in the past. Kevin is with Tricentis and runs their uh, open source communities, as well as some of the open source projects that are now under their management, uh, some by acquisition over the years, some they, they've they've uh, developed themselves but kevin welcome to devops unbound thank you alan happy to uh, be on and glad you're having us back uh, with you again yeah it's our pleasure and then last but not least is my friend alan germanski alan is the ceo founder of up nine that's up nine and uh he's going to tell us about that when i ask everyone to introduce themselves here in a moment but alan was also the founder ceo of blaze meter a very uh well-known open source or player in the open source testing world acquired by ca which of course became broadcom so today's episode ladies and gentlemen is around devops cloud native and open source more importantly most importantly and how important open source is to this whole devops movement and this whole someone today i had someone from deloitte cloud on i was doing an interview called it a revolution that we're seeing especially since covid right it has undergone a revolution of cloud transformation digital transformation acceleration and so much of it is Poss made possible by open source. Um, so that's our subject today. Before we hop into it, I wanted to give each of you like 30 seconds, just in case our audience wanted more than the cursory kind of introductions I did. Why don't we start with you, Kevin? Give them who you are, your background, and, and we'll jump through the all three of us from there. Yeah, so it's great. My name is Kevin Dunn. I'm uh, with Tricentis, as Alan mentioned. Uh, my main focus is on our uh, open source and sort of community products. Um, I've been with Tricentis for seven years. Uh, prior to Tricentis, I was at QA Symphony, uh, which merged with Tricentis uh, about two years ago. Um, so very uh, passionate about open source. Um, it's been sort of a new area that uh, Tricentis has been 
uh, getting into. Uh, there was a lot of work around Flood, which was built on top of JMeter and Gatling. Um, and now uh, Tricentis has acquired Test Projects, which is built on top of Selenium and Appium, and uh, most recently SpecFlow, which is an open source project based on Cucumbers. So I'm really excited to see uh, how these tools are helping to kind of shape the the Tricentis roadmap and sort of broaden the uh, the community and the open source support. So very, very exciting uh, projects going on so far. Alan, how about you? Hey everyone, and Alan, thanks for inviting me. I'm, I'm a big fan both of Tricentis and, and obviously the CD Foundation. Um, Alan Germanski, as you mentioned, um, my current company, Up9, which uh, I have the privilege of being a co-founder in, uh, deals with microservices and cloud native in respect uh, to testing. Testing is something that is becoming harder and harder to do, especially when you uh, you know talk about service testing and API testing. So Up9 uh, provide a solution for uh, somewhat autonomous, mostly automatic, um, you know, service testing. As you mentioned, prior to that, my previous company, BlazeMeter, was all about load testing and stress uh, based on the uh, open source tool, JMeter. Um, you know, I had the pleasure over the past 10 years to be involved in the open source community and, and understand, or at least think, try to understand what's the place of open source and why is it so important for developers, specifically for developers, I'm very happy to have the opportunity to discuss this in this forum. Last but not least, Tracy, how about you? Tracy, I'm the executive director of the Continuous Delivery Foundation, or CDF, which is an open source foundation with the mission to improve the world's capacity to deliver software with security and speed. So CDF is home to the open source projects Jenkins, Jenkins X, Tecton, and Spinnaker. Before that, I was leading open source community at CloudBees. And in general, I'm a 15-year veteran of open source. So I love all things open source, open innovation, and building communities. Excellent. So folks, here, here's my opening premise, and we'll let, it'll be our jumping off point. I also have a long involvement in the open source world. I first got involved in open source security-related uh, projects 2002, 2001, and we were blessed in security to have some amazing open source tools at our fingertips. Products like uh, Snort, which was developed by Marty Roche, and who then started SourceFire, acquired by Cisco, was, was the de facto standard for intrusion detection. The NMAP and Nessus scanners, uh, Renaud Drayson, who's co-founder over at Tenable Network Security, and Ron Gula who started Tenable with, with, with uh, Nessus. NMAP has been out there. there. There were many others, Clam AV. And, and so many commercial companies actually sprang up just by using that open source software under the covers, putting a UI on it and stuff. So I've seen open source. I remember talking to CIOs, and I remember speaking to you know, DOD agencies about their use of open source and they would tell me that they don't have any open source they don't allow open source and then you would go look at what their developers were working on and it was all open source you know it was linux and everything else that they had 
just didn't bother telling them about. So I've seen open source become from a, a guerrilla type of operation in many environments to the dominant form of software and software development today. When I got into DevOps, it became really apparent to me, and, and this is my jumping off point, we wouldn't have DevOps without open source. I, I just don't think, I think so much of what we consider not only the tools of DevOps, so specific open source projects, but the culture of DevOps, the collaboration, the, the sharing of knowledge of DevOps is based upon that open source mindset, on that open source culture, that you, you couldn't have DevOps without open source. Tracy, you ran the open source community at CloudBees, you first and only ED at CDF, part of Linux. What, what's your feeling on that? Why don't you kick us off? Yeah, so definitely as a big fan of open source, I've seen how it's been really instrumental uh, to, to DevOps. And I think, um, you know, one of the things that open source does really well, like sometimes people focus just on the code, but it is really all about that collaboration, how people work together. And I think at the heart of DevOps, really what it's trying to get at is building bridges, getting people to work together, even if they are in slightly different spaces, whether it, you know, it's DevSecOps where we're trying to bring security practitioners closer to developers or ops people closer to developers. So I think open source um, really captures that spirit of collaboration, and that's why it, it's become almost synonymous uh, with DevOps. Kevin, Alon, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, I would definitely agree with that. I would say uh, one other thing that, you know, of the many benefits of open source, right, is uh, kind of just the transparency and, and visibility. I think, um, you know, a lot of companies were finding like DevOps and their CI, CD process especially is kind of integral to business success, right? So um, a lot of companies are very hesitant to put a tool in place that is going to be that critical to their success unless they're able to, you know, fully understand what it does, uh, you know, any limitations that it has, you know, extend it where needed um, and, you know, kind of have that ability to build on top of it as well. Um, I think way too many companies kind of uh, got burnt a bit by, you know, solutions that were completely closed source, didn't allow customization and things like that. And then, you know, they kind of get stuck when, um, you know, something breaks or they reach the, the limits and the vendor is not able to, uh, you know, update that for them. So I think that was one of the big things about, you know, the whole Jenkins community, right, is you just see how many plugins and other, you know, ways people come up with of extending the tool um, that you just would never see from a closed source product, right? So I think that that's been uh, something as well as just kind of like the, the ability to have the transparency into how something works and be able to extend that uh, to fit your own needs. It's pretty critical to uh, DevOps success, I think. Yeah, I, I, I agree. Alon, you more than I think even Tracy and Kevin, I mean, you built a, a business with a successful exit on an open source kind of business model, if you will. Uh, you know, what, what's your view on, is it, can, it, is it a chicken and egg? Can you have DevOps without open source? 
I think uh, I, I think if we go back uh, even more than a decade, uh, there was open source and there were commercial offerings, right? And, and there, w- there was an inherent conflict between the two. I, I think that if you fast forward uh, for today, it's about product market fit. I, I think open source needs to be part of any product uh, as long as it involves developers, maybe even more than developers, but developers, as Kevin kind of mentioned, we talked about transparency. Uh, I think developers need to have control. They cannot rely on someone else and, and to have a black box. So anything from transparency, having control, not having dependency. Um, you know, if you think about speed to market, uh, the more control you have, uh, your ability to change quickly, um, you know, the faster you can go. So what we've learned over, you know, the past decade that developers, they need to have the open source, not because it's free. I, I think that's the last aspect of open source. It was in, in the past that it was free and a poor man's solution. Today, you want to have open source because you want to uh, maintain control, visibility, transparency, and reduce the dependency on other vendors. That, that's kind of my key learnings, um, you know, from my experience. Yeah. I mean, that reminds me of something I've always been taught and heard about open source. And, and that is, look, with open source, there's free as in freedom and free as in beer, right? It doesn't cost, it's free as in beer, right? Free beer for everyone. But really... Though that was a big driver, you're right, Alon, that was a huge driver and remains a huge driver is that people can just pick up this software and run with it. And at some point, if they want to buy an enterprise license or an enterprise version or go to a vendor that has a supported version, they can't pay for it, but they could use it for free today. But more importantly than that is the freedom as in freedom. Right in that it gives them the transparency, it gives them the ability to see exactly what what it is they're getting themselves into. As, as Kevin pointed out, but to me that's almost turned the original problem on its face. And Tracy, you've been in these in this open source world longer, long enough, right? In that originally that was also one of the big shortcomings of open source, right? Is that everybody everybody sees the source code hackers or whoever will more easily exploit that source code or can break in or can see what's going on and who am i going to call ghostbusters right what what for support and and to fix this thing right and so how can i as an enterprise you know base my business on on open source is it reliable enough secure enough supportable enough but yet we seem to have overcome that. One of the reasons I think, Tracy, is because of the advent of foundations like the CDF, right? So talk talk about that, if you will, a little bit. Yes, yeah, no, absolutely. Like, I think, well, first of all, I want to make it clear, like, you can still have DevOps uh, with the proprietary CI/CD stack, and there's plenty of offerings out there. But I think the key thing um, where open source plays a big role is is really in driving the innovation across the industry, making it so people can leverage it in different ways, combine it, um, and get that interoperability to you know produce things that solve their problems. And the way foundations have really helped is dealing with some of the issues or 
you know, sometimes there have been misconceptions with open source, but sometimes they are genuine problems which, you know, fall in the gaps of, well, maybe the developers on the projects want to focus on the code and there's other things we can do across um, multiple projects to help, you know, whether it's focusing on security or focusing on building communities um, that are diverse. Uh, so open source foundations have just added that extra layer to give the industry confidence that these are trusted projects that are being well sustained and people can rely on them to either build products or use in their own CICD stacks and really just kind of push, push things further and in a good positive direction for the whole industry. I'm going to comment on, or not, not disagree, but I, I want to distinguish and clarify something you said there, Tracy, and that is, yes, there are closed source, if we commercial, whatever you want to call it, CICD solutions out there. But even they, and, I, and we report on them at DevOps.com, right? Even they rely on open source integrations, open source components. I mean, you look at Alon with what you're doing with UP9, with Up9, with what he did at BlazeMeter. Kevin, when he talked about the three or four different open source kind of based tools that Tricentis is doing, they're all based on open source. When you go under the covers, they're, they're closed source, but they're based on open source. Things like Selenium and, and these kinds of things. So, you know, even in the CICD space, and I'm not here to name names, and we, but we know the, the closed source, you know, CICD players. I don't think their product works well if you didn't have an open source kind of framework that they plug into. Um, and I think it's especially true in the testing world. I think, Alon, you're, you're living proof of that, right? Can you've had a blaze meter without having some of those great open source? Kevin, all of the projects you mentioned are based on open source, right? Can you have any of them without open source? And, and it's, it's a real, you know. And guys, don't wait for me to ask your name. Feel free to jump in here. Uh, I think it's a good point. It's uh, becoming more of the model, like uh, Alan was, uh, you know, mentioning. Is kind of you stand on the back of giants uh, a lot of times, right? And um, so I think you know you see a lot of the, at least in the testing space, right? Uh, Blaze Meter, uh, Sauce Labs, Browser Stack. You know, a lot of these uh, bigger companies, they're succeeding by basically doing what you were talking about with the security tools uh, 10, 20 years ago, right? Take an open source community and kind of, uh, you know, build something on top of that, right? That provides value, but still is kind of using this known currency of this open source project. And I think people like that because, um, you know, at, by the time they get to buying that commercial solution, they've got a lot of confidence in the open source components. They've reached a, you know, critical kind of juncture where they're bought into those tools enough that they're willing to, invest in uh, something, you know, commercial to help support it. And you're solving real problems, right? Uh, you mentioned the, you know, free and open source being free, but, you know, everyone knows one of the big challenges with open source is just the amount of time that you have to invest a lot of, of times to customizing it, deploying it, you know, patching it, upgrading it, dealing with security, 
concerns. And so, you know, a lot of these vendors come in and they solve a real problem, but I think it, it is a little bit of a, you can't put the cart before the horse, right? The people need to adopt the open source tool, see that it works, feel the pain of, you know, what it's like to manage it on their own. And then, you know, usually graduate to these commercial solutions. I think when people come and try to present the commercial solution up front without that open source community, um, you know, it kind of fails because you haven't proven the value yet, right? And it's a big jump for people to make. And that's, you know, it's been a good thing in the market having open source. It's kind of uh, put the power in the hands of the users that, you know, users get to call the shots first and the user expects you're going to give me some value in this open source tool before you start to charge me an arm and a leg, right? Yeah, I like the analogy that free as in uh, free puppy. So you can have it, right. you have to take care of it, feed right. it, and yep. keep it from pooping on the carpet. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That takes a lot. Yeah. Just that, I think I've uh, learned a good concept a couple of years ago, kind of the open core concept. It wasn't there 10 years ago, but then you understand, okay, this is what, what we've been doing all along. The ability to open your core, the core of your platform, the core of your offering. So, so you know, your user will have more flexibility. Maybe the use case is a bit different than what you had in mind initially, right? By having an open core or an open source project that you're basing on, Right, you allow the the users to build their own use cases, and, and then bring value that 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 the again the product market fit is is in my view better than, than anything that is closed. And this is what you can do with it, and that's it. Right. Agreed. So Tracy, you know, the CDF is is a great model for the kinds of stuff we're all three of us are talking about, right? You have in essence this four main. Uh, properties or projects that CDF manages. Each one of them is is closely tied to one or more commercial uh, entities that solutions are based upon, right? Um, but yet the community revolves around the CDF. And, and by the way, it's the same thing in the CNCF, right? Where you have Kubernetes and you have, you know, a lot of Kubernetes service providers and managed Kubernetes. But the community lives around C CDF. What are you seeing here? Like, where is that handoff? Where is the, you know, passing the baton from that open source user to the commercial entity? Yeah, no, I think that's uh, a, a great question. And what we see, um, well, certainly what I've seen over the last 15 years is it's an ever-changing line, if you like. So when we, we talk about innovation, um, you know, we, we have these open source projects and we don't want people to be reinventing the wheel over and over again, like take something like pipeline orchestration um, you know, when it gets to a point where that's pretty ubiquitous, then that's a good thing to have as an open source, um, you know, kind of standardized on one project. And then we can move up the stack into new innovations and vendors can lead that charge of take open source projects and try to build things on top of that, that add um, new things to the industry. And as those become more and more ubiquitous, then, you know, probably eventually we'll get an open source solution and then people will sort of move on to the next thing. So I think it's always kind of this 
tied as such, um, where the more kind of proprietary things will, will test out the bleeding edge and where they can get value for, for users and things that haven't been done. And then open source projects become like the infrastructure, the roads and the bridges uh, and things like that. Fair. Guys, any comment on that? Uh, yeah, I think that's true. It's uh, it's kind of tough, though. Uh, puts puts uh, vendors in a tough position, right? Where it's like you know you have to. Re it really raises the bar, right, on uh, delivering innovation, right? Because uh, you know all of the. It's kind of a commoditization, right? That you know things that have been in the market for ten to twenty years. You know the market, the commercial market for those sort of erodes, and uh, you know it gets replaced by open source tools, and so it's always kind of playing that that game of being the, you know, next hand up on the baseball bat. Um, you know, it's just like, you're, you're always, if you stop innovating, there's, I think that's why you see, you know, the SaaS model being really popular with a lot of these software companies is just, they need to keep innovating. Right. And, uh, you can't just like, you know, expect to sell a tool, a licensed tool and, you know, have a customer use that for 10 years and collect maintenance from them. Like these are, all the tools that are, you know, demanding good budget from companies are really, you know, evolving quite quickly. So it's really put a lot of pressure on vendors to uh, to innovate. Otherwise, they're going to become stale and replaced by open source uh, pretty quickly, which is a good thing for uh, for the users of these tools. I think at the end of the day, I also think that's to Alon's point. That's why OpenCore is such a great model for this. Yeah. Right. Because you can't, you can keep innovating at your core, and then have your your freemium, premium, whatever you want to call, feature set, kind of revolving around that core, and 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 keeping people okay. Now that's why I why I should pay money, right? So and I think well, we'll, we'll increasingly see companies kind of use that to change the dynamic in the market. Then they can use open source almost as a weapon to drive a commoditization by saying, okay, well, this thing that was a premium feature for a number of vendors, we're going to open source our version and, you know, suddenly change the dynamic. So it, it, it is really interesting because yes, I think SaaS services will make a big difference and just everybody in the industry has to be on their toes constantly. Absolutely. But by the way, a way to complement this is think of, um, you know, we, we used to live in an industry where the big vendors provide point tools, value, do, do something that you haven't done before. Today with developers, it's very hard to think of having an infrastructure that is not open source, right? So let, let's assume the entire infrastructure is open source, whether by vendors, by developers, or by big cloud like Net, you know, Netflix, Amazon, and others. And, the, and then the, the next layer is efficiency and productivity. Then the commercial vendors, they can provide impact by, you know, this is what I've done in BlazeMeter. It wasn't, BlazeMeter wasn't a low testing tool. I think Flood is, was the same. It's kind of, JMeter was the testing tool. Yep. BlazeMeter back then was all about making JMeter more efficient and the developers more productive. So suddenly load runner wasn't like, uh, okay, there is an alternative to what was the de facto commercial tool. Okay, it's the open source tool, but as you said, open source on its own, it's pretty tough. So, you know, here come the vendors that make our lives more productive and, and use of open source more efficient. Yep. Agreed. Kevin, 
Alana, I'm going to put you guys on a hot seat here for a second. You know what? CNCF has been wildly successful in so many of the projects that they've incubated and now graduated and have been tremendous successes. Tracy CDF is only, what, about two years old now? And yeah, not got, even. Yep, they've got four pretty amazing uh, CD tools that are kind of de facto standards, right, that people are, are gravitating around. With such a strong uh, heritage of open source and testing and continuous testing automation, why haven't we seen sort of the equivalent of the CDF in the testing world? Right? Why hasn't the Linux Foundation or some other Eclipse or, or Cloud Foundry or something, or a new one, sprung up that says, hey, we're going to take these individual projects, you know, out of hands of individual companies and, and do a, a community thing. It, it may be a case of what don't break what's, don't fix what's not broken, right? Because it seems to be working the way it is. But why don't we see a foundation for open source testing? That's a good question. I mean, I think, uh, you know, if I had to guess, uh, the main reason probably is just that, you know, testers are sort of developers, but sort of testers, right? And like an, an automated tester kind of falls in between the gap of, of maybe both. And some view themselves as developers, some view themselves as testers. I, I feel like it's starting to happen. Um, if you look at some of these tools like Cypress, for example, you know, the newer tools that are um, emerging, definitely their communities have much more of like a, a developer feel around them. And uh, there's much more structure to the open source contribution and whatnot. But, um, you know, historically, it was definitely very fragmented. And, you know, the load testers all kind of rallied around JMeter and Gatling and, you know, the web testers around Selenium and the uh, mobile testers around Appium. There's really no common thread, I guess, is kind of more like uh, more siloed, right? Versus uh, I, my guess would be, you know, these tools like Kubernetes or, uh, you know, Spinnaker or Jenkins. I mean, those are ubiquitous, right? I mean, everyone, whether they're building you know, a web app, you know, in Java or in, you know, C Sharp or whatever can use these tools versus I think a lot of the testing tools, because they're kind of like a thought, you know, and a decision that's made after you make some decisions, oftentimes on your, um, your kind of app infrastructure. That's why they're sort of thought of as maybe they were historically thought as more of an afterthought. And uh, the, the communities got more fragmented as a result of that. But I think that is starting to change. I mean, we know, and we talked about these results on the last uh, time I was on with you, Alan, you know, that develop or testers are becoming more and more like developers and becoming more technical, right? So I think the tools, you know, are going to demand to uh, change this community structure, but um, we'll, it will take time. But I think we'll start to see that over the next few years, my guess. Cool. Yeah, I, I think that if you look at the industry, the open source industry for the past again decade, you know, prior to CNCF, there was Apache, right? Um, yeah. yeah, it was kind of, um, you know, in many ways, the, the collection of all open source tools that kind of, it's kind of, if you're an Apache open source tool, you're probably in good shape. 
And, and now we see it's not about open source. It's about what you do. Right. CNCF started mostly as Kubernetes and, and, and you know, other tools. And now the CD Foundation, I think the focus is kind of on, you know, on the development lifecycle as opposed to point tools and use cases is about the entire flow. I actually, I feel very comfortable, you know, if testing finds its right position under uh, CD, kind of as, because in CD you build, you test, Right. These are the, the, the operations you do day in, day out. Um, I, I would hesitate from having too many because the, it will kind of um, defocus many people. Am I doing this? Am I doing that? Is it different? Um, ha- having like, um, y- you know, a family to belong to, uh, which is the continuous delivery, conti- uh, continuous deployment, maybe in the future. Um, uh, I think it's actually, you know, not a bad direction to take. Yeah, absolutely. And I think you've hit it spot on, like CD, continuous deliveries is a process. And I think that process does include testing. And although we started off with these tools, which are all pipeline orchestration, I'd love to, you know, for the CDF to feature more open source testing tools. And certainly a lot of the conversations we have around interoperability Testing comes up a lot. You know, people are like, why isn't there a standardized way to um, show pipeline results uh, that the test runs? And why don't we drive for that? And, and that's, a, you know, a problem that lots of end users highlight. So, yeah, I'm all for, um, you know, having CDF be a place where we can have more of the testing community come together, see it expand beyond kind of the traditional developer role and just make folks um, feel included in that community. So yeah, we should we should definitely talk. I like the direction. So you, 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 heard, you heard it here first on DevOps Unbound. Alon, Kevin, you have her you have her contact info. There we let, go. Let, let's see <laughs> some testing projects being part of CDF. Right? Let's bring it. Let's bring it together. Alon, the next line of questioning I starts with you, but Kevin and Tracy, feel free to jump in. So, Alon, you've been there, done that. You did Blaze Meter. You, as you mentioned, you, you built it on JMeter and, and some other open source stuff, but you didn't want to duplicate what, what JMeter did. You were supplementing it and, and, and building on top of it. Your present company, Up9, is new. Not a lot of people are as obviously familiar with it as, as Blaze Meter. But I remember interviewing you when the, we first started talking about up nine and you said look this is this is for now right this isn't what blaze meter you know we took a lot of lessons that we learned and a lot of things that we saw but this is for today what makes it for today especially from an open source perspective right that was different than when let's say blaze meter you know first started with j meter yeah so BlazeMeter dealt with the pr- a problem that was very relevant for 2010 or 2012. Uh, it was, again, it was kind of moving to the cloud, the web scale system, but mostly around service-oriented architecture, right? And, and web apps, monolith of the time. Uh, at this time, let's say 2020 and going forward, we're talking about cloud native and containerized system and kind of the industry took an approach to build a system that scales horizontally, 
like with microservices. And when you have more than a few microservices, you bring in Kubernetes or Docker Swarm or ECS sometimes, right, to orchestrate. But this entire new tech stack is far more complex than it was in the past. And still you need to test. You have, you know, you call it now reliability. You have to have reliability gates. You know, you develop software. You don't want to develop faults that become failures, right? So, and again, it's far more scalable in the past. If we used to do one service, now we have 200 services, dependencies, uh, individual roadmaps, what do you do? So up nine takes care of it. Up nine provides a way to first test each and all microservices, right? To provide a complete uh, test coverage, but also do it, you know, use machine learning to offload a lot of the work uh, from the developers. Now, to connect this with open source, a- again, I'm a, I'm a strong believer that it's not this or that. It has to be both. You have to start with open source because you first need to onboard your users, right? And the only way to onboard them for them to have confidence is by giving them open source tools and, and not because it's free or because I want to make a name for myself in the open source community, because that's the only way to start, you know, the operation. And then you make their lives, the developers' life, lives more efficient. Okay, so this is up nine. Up nine starts with an open core uh, solution that enables testing microservices in a Kubernetes, ECS, Docker kind of environment, but making it, no matter how many services you may have, how many endpoints, you, whether thousands of endpoints and hundreds of services, you, you know, you get things going pretty quickly because, you know, this is how you would do things these days. Understood. Kevin, Tricentis, I mean, Alon's example applies directly to Tricentis, right? You have three or four projects that you've spoken about, acquisitions that you're, man- you know, you're managing these open source communities and projects. But yet there's, you know, there's commercial or closed source Tricentis. Where is, where is the, the uh, integration? Where's the overlap? Where's the leverage from one to the other? Yeah, that's a good question. I mean, I think we're kind of starting to see two different, I would say, maybe like communities of practice, um, you know, coming out of uh, a large IT organization, right? You have definitely what uh, Alan was talking about, which is like kind of people building these, I would call systems of engagement, right, which are customer facing apps um, that, you know, have all of these challenges around how to uh, deal with containerization. And so that's where we really target um, a lot of our open source tools, right? And open source friendly tools is that those people who are really developing these web apps, mobile apps, you know, web services in-house. Um, but we're also seeing that, you know, there's this other large community as well, which is uh, kind of all the systems of record, which would be maybe your mainframe systems, your packaged apps, um, like SAP, Salesforce, you know, Workday. And some of those communities, like some companies are starting to really 
start to try to do CICD and things like that around Salesforce and some of these more cloud-friendly apps. But for the most part, a lot of the, those communities, they kind of work differently. They have different expectation. They usually um, are less technical and a lot of times would actually prefer sometimes a closed source tool to kind of match the closed source uh, ecosystem that they're supporting. So that's where I think, you know, when you look at it, um, you kind of wonder, well, hey, how, why does Tricentis have both closed source and open source tools? Um, but I think you've got to have the right tool for the job and the right tool for the user, right? And so we see that, you know, you can't go and bring a highly technical tool to, you know, a non-technical user that's trying to test um, you know, a very legacy packaged application and vice versa. You can't bring, you know, a, a commercial tool a lot of times to a developer that wants to be, you know, able to write code and, you know, implement it into their DevOps pipeline and things like that and force them to take that approach. So we, rather than trying to, um, you know, have one or the other group suffer, we're sort of trying to bring together a platform which provides, uh, you know, different tools for the different approaches. Tracy, how does that jive with what you see with some of the pipeline uh, tools, projects, and companies in the CI/CD world with CDF? Yeah, no, I think it's uh, really interesting, and it was great to hear that distinction. Um, so when we look at cloud native and let's say particularly Kubernetes and things sitting on top of that, I think the state is today that you still have to be highly technical to stitch a system together and to make it work and to keep up with all the updates. So it's, it's far, far away from being used very effectively by folks who, who are less technical or folks who want to be a bit more removed and just get a certain job done, um, but still take advantage of you know, all the benefits of these containerized cloud native systems. So I think where the open source has to evolve there is to make that a lot easier. And we, we talk a lot about kind of the developer experience um, and what that looks like, because today it's like, it's really confusing if you had to come in new and figure out, you know, what tool to start with, how to put it together, take Kubernetes itself. It's got hundreds of distributions. Where do you, which one do you even start? And, and then there's a lot of confusing information as well for how you make decisions. I think there's a lot we can do in open source to drive some clarity on, you know, what are you trying to achieve? How do you get there? And how do you make the tools work together effectively and not leave it as an exercise to, to the user to figure out what goes with what? Uh, agreed. Agreed. Guys, we're coming, I, you know, I could sit and talk about this with the three of you for the rest of the day, but we're coming up on 45 minutes, which is kind of our cutoff here. Um, Tracy, you've heard what Alon and Kevin have said. So first of all, guys, I'm going to hold it to you. I'd like to see you reach out to Tracy and ha and start, and I'll help. I'll, I'll introduce some of my other friends in the open source and testing world. And you have my commitment, Tracy, on that. I'll do an email intro. I'd love to see some testing projects become part of CDF. I'd like to see it expand beyond the pipelines to the real tools that, that folks are using in these things. Um, but, you know, Tracy, CDF, as you mentioned, is less than two years old. We Just last week, we had KubeCon, CNCF, VirtualCon, whatever I think it was called, um, 
What What's in store for CDF? What, what should our listeners be looking for? Yes. Yeah, no, we're having our first um, big CD con, uh, which will be virtual. So it's the first uh, standalone event we have for all, bringing the, all the communities together. And because of COVID, you know, we've had to pivot quickly to going virtual. Um, so, it, you know, it's not going to be the same as in person, uh, but it is going to be a really good way to bring people together and get that interaction um, so CDCon, which is October 7th and 8th, and registrations are open now. And that will be uh, yeah, just a really good way to come in and figure out what is the state of continuous delivery today and lots of different tracks on specialist topics and cloud native and, of course, lots and lots of open source. Don't miss it. So that's CDCon, October 7th and 8th. Highly, highly recommend it. I'm sorry, my... Apple Watch was ringing there. We had to shut that off quick. Um, thanks, Tracy. People can get information at that at CDF? Yes, cd.foundation and find details there. Great. Kevin, news around Tricentis open source projects and, and uh, products. Yep. Yeah, I think uh, for us, you know, like uh, Tracy mentioned, we've got to go virtual uh, this fall as well. But um, we're having our annual Accelerate uh, conference this time online. Uh, we had uh, one that was focused uh, in kind of May on more of the U.S. Uh, area, but we're having more of a global one uh, to come in October. Uh, so we're going to be uh, showing off a lot of exciting new stuff about a lot of the tools that I mentioned, like test projects, SpecFlow, Flood, um, a lot of new integrations kind of between those tools and the core platform. So starting to uh, develop that story that I mentioned about sort of one platform to uh, fit various different approaches, whether that's more of the, the technical users or the non-technical users. So uh, that's definitely one to check out. I'm just checking the date. I think it's uh, the 21st and 22nd of October is when uh, we're planning that for it, I believe. It's going to be a crazy October of virtual events. Alon, how about you? And up nine. Yeah, you, you know, Upline is a new startup. Uh, we started uh, you know, almost two years ago, but we are working diligently to complete our software. We have already released our first version, but, um, you know, the work, still a lot of work ahead of us. So I hope to show you a lot of new cool things down the road. Uh, now we are heads down, you know, building and building. Excellent. Guys, I want to thank all three of you for being on DevOps Unbound with us today. I, I wish we had more time to dive into this. You know, there's, there's so much. When you, Even the idea of having a CDF versus, let's say, five or ten years ago, if I told you we were going to have something called a CDF, you, you wouldn't believe me. Right, you would think, what, what do we need this for? And you know, so we've come so far in DevOps and and continuous delivery and and Kubernetes. And my, well, Kubernetes itself is open source, but micro this whole revolution, honestly, around open source and community. It's it's what makes it fuels so much of what we are seeing. And you know, where would we be in COVID without? a lot of what we open source has enabled us to do, you know, using technology. So um, I, I do think it, it is, it is an integral, it, it's a precursor to having 
the DevOps world that we live in today is, is open source software. So thanks for joining us. Well, we have to have you back on. I'm serious about testing tools in CDF, though, guys. I, I think that's some long, long overdue. Um, Tracy, thank you, and best of luck now that you've moved full-time into the CDF. I know you'll make great things happen there. Kevin, Alon, best of luck to both of your companies, uh, Up9 and Tricentis. This is Alan Schimmel for MediaOps, DevOps.com. Thank you all. Thank you for watching. We'll see you on the next DevOps Unbound soon. Bye-bye, everyone. <laughs>